So our sermon passage this morning is Proverbs chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. It's Proverbs chapter 12. We're just getting back on course with our normal sermon trajectory through Proverbs this morning. Last week we took a little bit of a break just because we needed to respond to some of the things going on around us. But I prayed a lot about it and decided we'll just get back on track this week because we can't just watch the news and talk about the news all day long, every day. There's a lot going on, and it is important. But life continues to go on as well. And because we know that God is in complete control, as everyone agreed during the mutual encouragement time, because we know that, we can continue to live our daily lives. We do not have to put everything on hold right now. In 1 Timothy 2, that's one of the best passages for understanding our role as kingdom citizens within an earthly citizenship. And it says we should pray for those in leadership, but the object of us praying for them isn't uh, that, that they would do what we want them to do. The object of us praying for them is so that we could live peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. That's why it says to pray for those in authority. The, the Christian's daily life should be leaning towards peacefulness, quiet, godliness, dignity in every way. And that includes just living by God's practical everyday wisdom. And so we're going to get a dose of that wisdom this morning. Just good sense is the phrase that the passage will use. I'd like to read through the whole passage and then go through and just point out three extremely practical steps of wisdom that are available for each of us to take this week. So let me read the whole passage first. This is verses 8 through 12 of Proverbs chapter 12. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. Now, often Proverbs, they seem to be sort of a random pile of wise sayings, but there is some structure to it in this, in the original language, but by the way the words are chosen and arranged, appears to be a unit. So we'll take it as a unit this morning. And I would just title it Wisdom and Stewardship. Just wisdom for how to be good, wise stewards, good managers of what God has entrusted to us. The first point I'll point out from the passage is live within your means. Just a practical word from the Lord, living as his people by his wisdom, live within our means. Let's read those first two verses again. A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. It's better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. So good sense, as God's people, 
is to live humbly within our means. Here it uses the example of having a servant. In that culture, that would have been a lot more standard than it is in our culture. But the point is, it's better to live humbly and lowly and have what you need than to play the great man, than to try to look awesome and live beyond your budget and not actually even have what you need, not have bread. You know, it's still tempting in our culture to play the great man, to try to maintain a certain level of appearance in society, even if that means we need to stretch beyond the means of our budget in order to attain it. Uh, For kids, teenagers, it might be, I've got to have the right shoes that everybody else has, even though they're astronomically expensive and they're going to wear out in a month. doesn't matter. I've got to have those shoes so I can play the great man. I want to look cool. Expensive clothes, expensive cars, it can be hard to continue to drive the old hand-me-down beater car when your neighbors and friends all have new cars that have a bunch of amenities. A better house, it can be hard to watch HGTV and be content with a starter home. Whatever happened to starter homes? It seems like all the previous generations started off with these humble homes. But it seems like my generation and younger expects to begin with the mansion right off the bat to play the great man, to see that all your friends at school are going to Disney with every school break. It can be very difficult to settle with a staycation. But the man of good sense, the woman who is wise according to God's ways, will live within their means and not try to play the great man, will accept lowliness. Now, we've never lacked bread, even when we have exceeded our budget and our limits, but that's probably because of credit. They didn't have quite the same credit card culture back then that we do now. The average American right now has about $6,000 of credit card debt in just consumer spending beyond their budget, some quite a bit more. But the person of good sense takes normal, logical steps to live within their means. That means simple things like having a budget. I talked to a guy who's a financial planner, and he said, you know, almost 95% of the people that I talk to, they don't have any kind of budget. And it's hard to make and maintain a budget. But as Christians, we want to be good stewards of what we've been given, and that's just a really simple first practical step. Establish a budget. Get your income listed out, your fixed expenses listed out, and then you figure out your variable expenses with what's left, and you try to use your money wisely. You try to stay within that budget. We struggled with that for years in the Broadway household. Uh, We finally have a system that works pretty good. It's just a simple spreadsheet and I try to update it every Monday, and we're actually somewhat staying on budget. So it is, if, if Matt Broadway can figure it out, it is doable for any person. person with good sense lives within their means, and they take care of their stuff and their people. That's the second point. So here we are, living the Christian life in a world, turning upside down, trying to live by just the daily principles of God's wisdom. It can be tempting to sidestep those and just throw those out the window because It seems like there's much more urgent things, but these are the basic framework of a well-ordered life that will give you the stability to deal with the extraordinary things. So we'll live within our means. Secondly, we'll take care of our stuff and our people. Look at verse 10. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, 
but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Now back then, your beast was your four-legged animal that was necessary for you to take care of your land in order to provide for your family. We do not depend on beasts in the same way here. So this isn't talking about taking care of your pets, really. It's talking about taking care of your means of livelihood. So you could either apply it to your things that you need to make a living. I think also you could apply it to your people that you need for making a living. The wise Christian living by God's wisdom takes care of the things and the people necessary for them to make a living. So take the the Jamesons and long care. He doesn't have an ox that he has to take care of and feed in order to continue his long care business, his landscaping, but he does have all of his machines and equipment. The wise person takes care of those things. And he also has his employees. The wise person takes care of those under his employ. Righteous Christians have regard for their stuff and their people. So a Christian student that wants to live wisely here, a practical thing, take care of that Chromebook that the school sends home with you. Don't throw it around. Don't spill milk on it during breakfast. Take good care of it. And also treat your teachers with respect. For me, I don't throw my Bible around. I try to take care of my Bible. This is very important for me in my work. But also hopefully will be wise enough to try to take care of my people. For example, the official board, I don't want to be abusive in how I talk to them or the expectations that I hold for them. Your office, your co-workers, whatever it is associated with your work, it is good and wise to have regard for those things and to take care of them, to not be cruel, not be slamming doors and snapping at your underlings or your assistants not leaving your tools out in the rain or being rude to the cashier when you're buying your supplies for your job, not kicking your machines, being snotty to salespeople. The classic example would be Ebenezer Scrooge. We don't want to be like that as Christians who are trying to be wise. We want to take care of these things. So the Christian with good sense and righteousness lives within their means. They take care of their stuff and their people. And lastly, they just do their work. Verses 11 and 12. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. A Christian approach to this week is to just focus and do our work. We've been given good work to do, And in doing it, we are honoring God, glorifying Him, and being wise. You ever heard the ants and the grasshopper, one of Aesop's fables? I'll read it to you. A little story to illustrate the wisdom of just doing your work. One bright day in late autumn, a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they had stored up during the summer. When a starving grasshopper, his fiddle under his arm, came up and humbly begged for a bite to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything away for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have time to store up any food, whined the grasshopper. I was so busy making music that before I knew it, the summer was gone. The ants shrugged their shoulders in disgust. Making music, were you? they cried. Very well, now dance. And they turned their backs on the grasshopper and went on with their work. 
Not a very merciful response from the ants, but Aesop did give us a good illustration of things that are all through Proverbs. Wise Christians are just diligent about their work. Whatever work is at hand to be done, it is wise and is good sense to do it. Here it says to work your land. Now we're not farmers here, but we have work to do. What is your land? Generally, whoever does their work will have plenty of bread. Now, it doesn't say plenty of luxuries necessarily, but you'll have what you need. Generally is the principle. Now, if you're thinking as Christians, you might be thinking about the New Testament and wondering, well, I thought we were supposed to just give away everything. I thought the Christian life was meant to be mainly worshiping God and giving things away and just trusting the Lord about our bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, there are elements of that, but the wisdom God instilled in his people still stands as the normal wisdom for everyday living. It's in the New Testament as well. 1 Timothy 5, 8, Paul says, anybody that's not working to provide for his household and his family and his relatives, he says is worse than an unbeliever. So it's still important, even in the Christian community, even though we know Jesus is going to return soon, and even during those times, during tumultuous times, it was still important to do our work, provide for our households. Colossians 3.23 encourages Christians to do whatever work that they do heartily as unto the Lord instead of unto men. Ephesians 4.28 encourages those who steal or mooch off of others to work hard instead so that they too can be generous. So working hard with this Proverbs wisdom is a Christian ethic. We'll tend to have what we need, food, clothes, shelter, what we need for proper medical care, if we will work. Now that's a principle that generally holds true. There are hardworking people who fall on hard times and need help. And there's lazy people who still have tons so it's, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a general principle that holds true most of the time. So the one with good sense works his land and has plenty of bread is contrasted with the one who follows worthless pursuits. We have so many worthless pursuits available to us today. So many more than they had back then. They still needed this proverb back then before television, before smartphones were invented. How much more do we need this wisdom now? I remember reading somewhere, I couldn't find it, but I think it's true, that when the television was first invented, experts thought that Americans would never go for it. Television is never going to be popular in America because Americans are just too industrious. They're not going to sit down and watch entertainment. They've got too much work that they want to do. And then here we are now, Statistically, the average American spends about 30 hours a week watching some screen, about four and a half hours a day watching some kind of a screen. We are so entertained, so entertained. And I'm not up on any high horse about this. I love to be entertained way too much. Somewhere growing up, I got the foolish idea that work, hard work, was an interruption to the good life, a necessary evil that you just had to get out of the way so that you could relax and rest and have fun. God has been reforming me through the scripture to remember that work is a major part of the good life. It was in the garden before the fall. 
Work is good. It's good for us. It honors God, provides for our needs. I need to grow in my wisdom here. Meredith and I joke a lot. There was a string of funerals that I um, officiated where in every one of them, as folks were sharing memories of the deceased, they said the same phrase, he just couldn't sit still. She just couldn't sit still. She was always doing something. She was so industrious. He just couldn't sit still. And we've joked that at my funeral, everybody's going to get up and say, he could really sit still. That's one thing Matt was really good at. He could just sit on his big butt all day long. Really admire that about him. I heard an interview with a theologian named D.A. Carson. Some of you maybe have come across his name. And he said, he was talking about how many books he's written and articles and how much he has produced throughout his career. And the interviewer was just saying, how do you do all this? And he said, well, I don't like being entertained. I like work. I don't like being entertained. And I remember hearing that thinking, what are you talking about? Being entertained is the best. I saw something on Facebook this morning about sitting down with a full plate of food and turning on Netflix being like the best situation a human being can find themselves in. I think many of us often feel that way. I feel that way. Entertainment isn't evil. It just needs to be in its proper place in our life. It can't be the main course. Just like candy can't be the main course for dinner. But it doesn't mean candy is evil. Just a little bit is wise. Good sense that we gain as Christians will teach us that the satisfaction of a job well done can be equally pleasurable with entertainment, more so even. That's really the battle about screen time with our children. That screen time is like the parenting issue of our age for any parent you talk to because those screens are so such a strong gravitational pull, such easy pleasure. But we don't just want to tell our kids, no, don't do it. We want to give our kids the better alternative, which is the satisfaction of a job well done. What about that, that sense of progress or completion towards some worthy work? An unexpected expense coming up and having the savings in place because we've been doing just our daily work and being wise. Unexpected drop-in, the house actually being in decent shape because we've been just taking care of our things, doing the daily work. Laying down at night, tired and sore from working hard and getting a good, satisfied night of sleep. The Sabbath day actually being different from the other six days because we haven't been resting all day the other days, but we've been diligent about our work. That's just good sense. It's just wisdom from God. And as we grow as Christians in the righteousness and the newness that Jesus gives us, we'll grow increasingly wise in these just everyday practical things. Living within our means, taking care of our things and our people, doing our work. This is just the daily life of a wise person. And I realize how mundane all this seems in light of just the big crazy stuff going on in the world, specifically the pandemic and the political situation. I thought about preaching another sermon on those subjects, but I really try not to steer the pulpit and aim it at such specific things. I try to just let God's word carry us through a well-balanced diet of his instruction. And I think it is helpful to remember just the nuts and bolts of daily living. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, this week, let's just go about our lives as wise Christian people.
God is in control. We can pray for our leaders. We can vote the best we can. We can get involved where it makes sense to get involved. But ultimately, our hope is to live peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way, living by these wise principles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word this morning. Please help us to be responsive to it. It can be so tempting to get all up in our heads and to overthink everything. It can be paralyzing to process all the news and all the developments and all the research and all the information. Please, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to live wisely as your people this week. Let us not skip into these fundamental principles of wisdom and try to build lofty, godly lives without them because they'll always be lives of frustration. Let us live wisely this week. For anyone in the church who, who is anxious, who can't even really apply their minds to these things because they're just too anxious, would you please give them peace? For anyone who is just so tangled up in dysfunction because of past bad decisions or other people's bad decisions or things outside of their control, Would you please just piece by piece untangle them and enable them to live this peaceful, quiet life that you describe in your word? And pray for the next generation of our church that they're going to experience an even stronger pull away from your wisdom and toward the folly of this world, that you would protect them from that and keep them on course. Help us to be a good example. And we love you. And as we go out into the world this week, Do help us to be salt and light. Every conversation, every social media post, every response to what we read, let us live as your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.